All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back. Episode three of the NARP Opinion. Two of your fellow NARPs here, non-athletic regular people. Uh, I'm Arun. I'm Matt. Um, so we've got a little bit of a layoff, a couple days, a couple days off um, with just everything going on. Was uh, decided not to do the podcast, but we're, again, going to be doing two times a week starting next week, 30-minute uh, episodes. Um so we're super excited about that. Uh, we appreciate all of you that have been tuning in and listening, giving us feedback. Um, and uh, we're super excited. Uh, sports are starting to come back. Uh, things are starting to kick back into gear. Um, so we're going to have a lot to talk about. Um, and Matt, you can kick us into what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, so obviously, you know, first we're going to be talking about the MLB. Um, you know, very publicized, uh, highly contested debate right now between the players association who represent the teams and players and then the owners um very contentious debates uh so we're going to talk about you know what the issues are right now what the future forecast is if we think they're going to come back or not and finally some good news you know everything we've been talking about has been speculative so far but it was confirmed today by the nba player association that the nba is back officially july 31st start date really interesting format um there'll be some cool playoffs i think games are going to run through october so it's gonna be really different but i'm excited to get back to it and then in the spirit of the nba being back our top five of the day will be the top five nba players we're most excited to watch so a lot of good content coming at you guys today thanks for listening yep again thank you guys so much for listening um spotify anchor.fm slash the narp opinion uh google podcasts uh, we're expanding. Maybe we can. We're hoping to get on Apple Podcasts soon as well. And um, yeah, again, thank you guys so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. All right, so Major League Baseball. Um, I guess the main issue right now is essentially the players are feeling like the owners don't want to play. The players don't want to lose more money. Um, there's like a lot of – it seems like a big money debate. But, I mean, you're Mr. Baseball. Um, Matt, like tell me a little bit more about, I guess, what's going on and how, how you're feeling about it. Yeah. So, you know, obviously we've kind of been in this weird debate mode for a few months now where the MLB, you know, led by the commissioner's office, has been sparring publicly back and forth with the Players Association who represent the players. Um you know, back in April when it was clear that baseball wasn't going to be starting on time, there had been some like preliminary meetings between each of these parties, you know, trying to hash out, hey, what are we going to do? When can we potentially start this year? And, you know, like any any multi-billion dollar industry, one of the you know sticking points has been pay. So it was decided that at the start of the year, obviously, you know, the normal season is 162 games. I think optimistically you're looking at like, highballing it probably in 120 game season so to start what are you doing about player pay you know you have a guy making 18 million a year does he get the full 18 million for you know playing a fraction of a year of course not so the you know squabble between the parties went on about how much the players were going to get you know it's finally determined that there is like a prorated salary the players were going to get so depending on how many games the season actually ended up being that's how much they're going to pay you know get paid um, I mean, that sounds, that sounds, you know, fair. sounds reasonable, of course. And then, you know, the owners kind of came back to the chopping block within the past two or three weeks or so. And 
they have proposed like different financial models, basically saying, hey, if we go off this prorated thing that we already agreed upon, we're going to be losing a lot of money, which, you know, does anyone really know? Not really. And that's kind of an issue here. There's been a lack of, um, I guess, transparency at the major league level, which has been frustrating. Um, It's been like a public war of words. But essentially what the sticking point is right now is players do not want their pay to be cut anymore. So in turn, yeah. you know, the, the players and the Players Association have been proposing a longer season. So at this, I mean, you know, it's already June. And it would, you know, yeah, what I saw, I saw like the 130 game yeah. proposal by the Players Association that got rejected. Yeah, I mean, that's like the only thing I've seen so far. Yeah, stuff. I mean, that is it's an outrageous proposal. The players are fired up that, you know, the owners and I think I mean, personally, I think deservedly so they are fired up that the owners are you know looking to continue to slash salaries as the owners are you know the multi-billionaire guys like i think it's frustrating i can see from the player's perspective and you know the owners are kind of they're it's 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 frustrating for the public to see a bunch of billionaires fighting a bunch of millionaires but i think the sticking point right now is the pay so obviously players want to play play more games that they get you know can get paid more owners i think countered with like a 50 game proposal and pretty much the players said no, and they have no further plans to renegotiate. So it's a really awkward standstill right now. A lot of people within baseball are still optimistic that, you know, they can kind of settle things out. But that's kind of the basis of where we're standing right now. Why Why was your number for, like, you know, optimistically, you're thinking that they get 120 games in? Um Right now is really like peak baseball season, right. theoretically, right. and they haven't started yet. Do you think the the end date of the season would get pushed back in that scenario, or do you think we're more likely to get, you know, eighty games, ninety games, and like, what are the odds you think that there just isn't any season at all? Yeah, so I mean, I think one of the issues with the, and I don't remember the exact. I think the players proposed one hundred fourteen games. I'm not exactly sure off the top of my head, but the issue with that is, you know, we're already over two months into where a normal season would be. In a 114-game season plus the playoffs, would be taking the playoffs up until November, which, you know, traditionally they run through the end of October, which, you know, it's, it's pushing it, honestly, in cold cities. Like you saw two years ago, Boston, you know, the Red Sox were in the World Series, and there were World Series games being played that were, you know, by the time the game was over at night, close to below freezing. So are we taking this a step further? I mean, that's a very valid concern. You know, baseball, obviously, True, yeah. outside of the handful of teams that have retractable roofs, you know, it's an, it's an outdoor game, and it's not – you know, hitting pitches that are coming in at 100 miles per hour isn't particularly, you know, conducive to being played in cold weather. So that's kind of a sticking point right now. And I I do – I'm optimistic if they want to make it work, they can make it work. I know it kind of sounds like a an odd answer, but I really do think that yeah. each, each of the parties seems to be really, like, firm on their stance. And I do think, like, if I had to guess what would happen, I think players will cave on the season length. I think it might be 60 to 70 games. But I, right. I also think owners, in the court of public you know, opinion, don't really have a lot of leeway in terms of asking the players to continue to pay, take pay cuts. So I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if the salaries kind of stayed at the prorated amount that we originally agreed on. The players concede some games. You know, We have a normal season start in July, and then it's over in the middle of October, late October, like normal. So we're not dragging in the, you know, the middle of winter. My main issue is, you know, how can you make any reasonable estimate of what your revenue will be from the season when, you know, a majority of that comes from fan tickets and 
um, fans coming and being able to come into the stadium, watch the game, right. what they buy when they come to the stadium. So I think a lot of it will depend on um, governors of different states making the decision on, you know, fans being allowed to attend sports, which is what, you know, essentially every sport that takes place in the fall is waiting on right now. So I think until that happens, they won't really have a realistic number because they need to know whether they can have 25% or 50% or 75% of fans allowed. Then they can get, you know, more realistic number about how much money they're going to be able to get from every game. And then they can kind of have a better idea of, uh, are they going to be coming up short or are they going to be, um, able to like break even or make profit. But I guess, yeah, it all comes back down to how long the season will be. And I know everything that they're looking at right now, it's above 50 games, but if they're not making progress within the next, you know, two to three weeks, it's, I guess, would you say that that is around the time when it's like, okay, maybe we won't have a season? I would think so. I think, you know, the target date for this, the past few months have kind of been a, hopefully we have a decision in place by the start of June you know, give the players three or four weeks of June to, you know, train, have kind of a second spring training and then kick off around the 4th of July weekend. You know, obviously yeah. today's June 5th. I would say, you know, if there's not solid footing within a week or two, I'd be very, you know, worried about the the possibility of a season happening. I think, you know, just given the fact that players really will need three weeks to a month to, you know, get ready and get training and blah, blah, blah. I think the clock's definitely ticking, and I think you know the players' association knows, it, and I think the owners know it. So I think it's a matter—it's a matter of who's going to blink first, if someone blinks at all. And then you know, I think something that we were kind of talking about before that complicates this whole thing is the MLB CBA collective bargaining agreement right. expires at the end of the 2021 season. So baseball. So why would yeah? Why would missing a season? How does that impact the CBA? Yeah. So CBA you know, just essentially governs it's like different rules, talks about transaction possibilities, but without a CBA, a season cannot happen. So I think in 1994 was the biggest example of a, a strike The MLB went on a yeah. strike. There were replacement players, the whole crap show playoffs got canceled. So if there's no CBA in place beyond the 2021 season, the 2022 season will be in jeopardy. So behind the scenes, I can guarantee people have already started working on this. There's been, you know, different negotiations trying to iron out the details. But if there was no season this year, teams and players would be walking into 2021 as almost a sort of, you know, they're lame ducks. They don't know if there's going to be a season next year. If there's no season this year, negotiations, I can, you know, promise you will continue to be contentious going into the 2021 season. So, I mean, there's a real possibility there will be no baseball for two seasons out of three if they can't get, you know, straightened out. But I think that's why this yeah. right here is ever important. And, you know, a lot of um, a lot of metrics have kind of pegged baseball as not, you know, in a sort of free fall, but there have, there have been declining ratings. You know, games have continued to lag on for four hours and people – have been switching to more, you know, fan-friendly things, the NBA, college sports, whatnot. So I think that this is a pivotal moment for the MLB. So I think that's definitely why these negotiations right now to get the players on the field just for however many games they can in 2020 are really big. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's my, that's my main issue, though, I guess, with Rob Manfred. Um, you know, he's like a commissioner by the books and – not really like a commissioner for the people, uh, unlike, you know, Adam Silver. Um, so you saw how he, like, dealt with the Astros and stuff. Like, yeah. everything he does, like, 
could is like theoretically like a toss up. You never really know what direction he's going to take things in. So yeah, I mean, the fact that we're even talking about, you know, potentially two out of three seasons are not being baseball. That's like unfathomable in every, any other sport. Yeah. But um, I guess we will see what happens. Yeah. Um, but that's gonna be really interesting. Hopefully within the next two weeks, we can get some more baseball news. We'll see what happens. But hopefully there is a season, whether it be 50 to 80 games. Um, but something is better than nothing, especially when it comes to the CBA and making sure that, you know, the players are happy and the players are willing to renegotiate um, something fair for both sides next summer um, or next spring. So now we're going to kick into a little bit of NBA talk. And, you know, we were all really excited a couple days ago. Um, the vote was confirmed and uh, basketball is officially returning end of July. They're inviting 22 of the 30 teams back. Um, so the eight teams who are more than six games out of playoff contention, um, they've been kicked, their season's over. Um, and then every team that's in the playoffs or within six games are coming back. So that's 22, 13 teams in the West, eight teams in the East. So it's everyone in the playoffs in the East plus the Wizards. And then the 13 in the West are the eight current playoff teams um plus the portland trailblazers new orleans pelicans sacramento king san antonio spurs and the phoenix suns so that's gonna be really exciting this new playoff thing um how do you feel about the return how do you feel about the new format if you want to go into that a little bit matt yeah i mean i'm excited i think you know when they said 22 teams were coming the first thing I thought were, you know, are we getting 11 from each conference? I think the 13 and 9 thing is really interesting. I like it. You know, I, I think that teams that, you know, were really horrible through the – I mean, how many games were played? About 65? I mean, that's what? What percentage of the season? That's like – we're talking like 75, 80-ish percent of the yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, you know, that's a very significant portion of the year. And I think – Right. At this point, we already know, like, you know, who's good and who's bad. Yeah. I mean, I think if we were letting everyone come and then some team like the Pistons ripped off Nate and no streak, it'd be like, all right, this is stupid. Why are the Pistons in the playoffs? You know? So I think yeah. I think it's a good idea. I think it's, you know, obviously very unique. And I think that's something that – Good for the NBA, you know, props to them. They're coming back. They're, they will probably be the first, you know, who obviously we talk about baseball. Who knows what's going to happen there? The NBA will definitely be back this summer, and I think people will be really excited for it. I think this unique format will draw on a lot of people. Even, you know, more casual fans will be like, oh, this is cool. You know, it's eight games to basically play it off to get into the playoffs. And then I think – Right, right. I don't know, I'm excited for it. I think that people are, you know, so – excited for sports in general that spicing up a format like this can only help the league's viewership exactly so to walk you through the format so the format is essentially uh every these 22 teams are coming back they each play eight regular season games that adds on to their current record and then they're gonna do playoff seating one through seven will be set um and then the eighth seed and the ninth seed, if the ninth seed is within four games of the eighth seed, it's going to be a little play-in style tournament where the ninth seed will have to beat the eighth seed twice in a row. So the eighth seed only have to win once. So they'll play three games. And if the eighth seed can win one of the first, or if the eighth seed can uh, win the first or the second game, um, they'll, uh, they'll stay in, in eighth place and they'll play the one seed. But if the ninth seed can win two games, um, they're going to take their spot. So I know that so Adam Silver, um, the NBA commissioner who we mentioned earlier, um, big commissioner for the people, you know, probably the best commissioner in sports right now. Um, 
he stated, you know, you know previously that he wants to capture um, the March Madness kind of flavor um, of excitement. And I think this does a really good job of doing that because, you know, playoff spot on the line, play two games. I think that's like really interesting and really exciting. Um, it'd be cool to see a team like the Wizards be able to be able to pull it off. But right now the Wizards are, I think, like five and a half games back of eighth. So like they would have to really go on a win streak um, to be able to capture that one and a half games back um, to be within four. But I think it's good. You know, it gives them a little bit of um, – it gives them a chance essentially to make the playoffs. And I think that – I think it's good that they cut the eight teams to like minimize risk, right? Yeah. You don't want to bring everyone back. There's a chance that – you know, Corona spreads and then this whole thing was for naught, but you're giving a team a chance to, you know, make into the playoffs, spice things up a little bit. And then everyone's going to be at Disney world. Right. So everyone's staying at Disney world. I saw today uh, players and their families won't be allowed to ride any of the rides at Disney world. So, you know, they're basically going to be 22 teams and all their personnel and then NBA personnel quarantined in a bubble playing basketball um, but it's going to be really interesting. Um, I think it really does favor, uh, it favors the top teams, right? They get eight games basically to get back into shape, um, try and keep their seed position and then they'll be good to go with the playoffs. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how fit people are. I'm sure you've seen the picture of like James Harden looking yeah. like ridiculously in shape. Um, Jokic for the Denver Nuggets, he's ridiculously in shape. But, like, does that translate to game shape? They're not going to have a lot of time to, you know, get back into it um, and, you know, be kicking on full gear. They have to really, you know, they got to start working on now if they want to be ready in six weeks. But, um, you know, we talked about the format benefits, these top teams. Who do you think the format hurts? Um, I mean, I think teams like – I guess in the you know in the East, obviously it's pretty cut and dry. The only the only team that has a chance to jump in is the Wizards. Like you said, they'd have to go on a win streak. I think teams like the Mavericks and the Grizzlies, who are you know the seven, the eight in the West, they're set. They got five teams gunning at them. They got a you know an angry Damian Lillard Trailblazers team, a Zion Pelicans team, a Spurs team. Who's a you know I mean I think there are a lot of teams that are going to be gunning for these spots, and I think. Dallas and Memphis, you know, if they, I guess, you know, Dallas a little farther ahead. It's more of a Memphis is, you know, 18 games back. I mean, Dallas is, gee, Dallas is seven games ahead of Memphis. That's the difference between seven and eight. That's kind of wild. But I guess more Memphis then, you know, I get, they got a lot of teams gunning for them. There are three teams that are three and a half games back of Memphis. So, you know, right there, they're already eligible for the playoffs, right? That's a rule within four. Yeah. So, it's uh yeah, so all three of those teams are eligible. So it depends if the Spurs I don't know why the Suns were invited. You know, they're exactly six games back of the Grizzlies, but that's neither here nor there. Uh the Spurs are four games back of the Grizzlies. So the Spurs have to jump the three teams in front of them um by outwinning them by half a game, and then they'll be in the ninth spot. And if that ninth spot is within four games of the Grizzlies, they'll do a playoff Yeah, for that eight spot. I mean, I think that'll be electric. I think it's going to be a race to hold on to the eight. Um, I mean, I think 
Memphis at 32 and 33, probably I would say exceeded expectations a little bit this year. You know, they're still young, absolutely, still building a core. So I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, <laughs> have John have, uh, you know, Jaron Jackson been staying in shape. If so, I think, you know, we'll see if they can hold on to it. If not, you know, I think you have steaming mad Damian Lillard coming in hot. So I think that'll be interesting to see. But I think the Grizzlies definitely are not in the greatest of positions. No. Yeah, definitely. I think it's going to be really hard. That's the one thing about this. You know, we're starting the season up again. What teams are going to be able to, like, capture a hot streak and run? Because if, you know, that Portland Trailblazers team, we've seen them win countless tight playoff series over the past few years. Um, that's not a team I want to see if I'm Memphis, no. right? You want you, Do you want to see Damian Lillard, like, one of the most clutch players in the NBA right now? Like, you got to win two games and you can play the Lakers and try and make a statement. Like, I'm putting my money on the on the Trailblazers in that situation, right? But the Memphis Grizzlies are here because of John Morant, Jaron Jackson. They have a really strong young core. Um, and I think those guys are, you know, more likely to be in shape and ready to go. So I do think that there's a chance that Memphis can go on a little bit of a run, you know, maybe go six and two and just put it away. Yeah. They don't have to worry about um, having a playoff at all. But one team I'm really interested in, you know, I'm a Spurs fan through and through. I have been since I've grown up. Uh, they're four games back of the Grizzlies right now, half a game back of Portland, um, the Pelicans and the Kings. Um, I'm curious to see if they go on a run. They're fighting right now for their 23rd consecutive playoff berth, which would be the longest in NBA history, um, still continuing a record. Um, I really do think that they would have a chance to beat Memphis, but it all depends on how they can play over those first eight games and if they can jump, you know, Sacramento, New Orleans, and Portland. Um, I'm excited to see Zion, though. So, you know, there were talks when the season ended. Can Zion take this? Um, rookie of the year away from John Morant. You know, Zion was averaging like 23-7 and 2.2 um, in his 19 games. Uh, I still think that's too small of a sample size. I still think John Morant gets rookie of the year. But uh, what do you think, you know, Zion has to do at the end of this season to kind of put himself on the map and solidify himself as, you know, the next big thing in basketball? I mean, I I agree with you. I think it was kind of silly. I think people were jumping the gun by saying, you know, with his 20 games, he was going to win rookie of the year. But I think, you know, if he can somehow put, put, um, you know, the Pelicans on his back and drag them to the playoffs, how, or how far out are they? I'm looking. They're three. They're also three and a half back. They're three and a half days so, back. So they're right now, they would have to be winning, I guess, one more game than Portland. Yeah, so I think it's. I mean, and then they would have a conceivably, chance. you know, the eight and the nine race could be between the Grizzlies with Ja and the Pelicans with Zion. I think you know I don't know how to how it will end up, but if they could kind of pull together and Zion could, you know, I don't know if they'll get a head to head matchup. We'll see how it you know ends up, but I think if they went head to head and Zion, you know, continued to play and did what he was doing, yeah, I think it's conceivable he could get Rookie of the Year votes. He definitely will. I mean, it's a two man race, but I think Zion at this point has probably done enough to show that he's here to stay. You know, I think durability issues aside, which I mean, I shouldn't say aside because they are, they're very big. They're huge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what, what's he been doing this quarantine? You know, is he going to come back? Are they still going to have game restrictions, minute restrictions on him? I'm curious to see how he's handled. Cause you know, I think, 
I, we talked about this last episode too. Like, I'm not going to slap a fat asterisk on this year, but you know, it is a weird year, and I think that teams would be more inclined to be conservative with their young players' minutes, especially you know players like Zion who have suffered from injuries. Like, I don't think you go out there and play them 34 minutes just because you're trying to make the eight seed in some weird format. Absolutely not. I mean, I wouldn't even be shocked if you know he came back, wasn't in great shape, and they started out with two and they shut him down. You know, so I think there's a, such a wide array of possibilities for Zion, but I would, yeah. I think it'd be a great storyline if the Pelicans with him and the Grizzlies with Ja battled it out for the eight seed in the West. Absolutely. Here's what I'm talking. This is the one thing I want to see though, out of anything other than like the Spurs making a run and getting the eight seed. I want to see Bradley Beal put the Wizards on his back, show that he was disrespected by not getting an all-star spot and, you know, make it, a race for that eight seed and make, make it a, make it a playoff series. I would just love to see that. Um, I think that the wizards versus the magic and the wizards need to win two in a row. I think that the wizards have that in them because I just don't believe in the magic's talent like that. Um, I know the wizards are exactly six games back, but um, that's just something I'd love to see, especially being from DC. That would be sick. Um, But one thing before we wrap up our NBA talk, who do you think, um, the Western Conference Finals and the Eastern Conference Finals is, and then based off of that, who do you think your champion is uh, in this weirdly ending NBA season? That's tough. I mean, there are just so many, so many unknown variables right now. This is, you know, it's hard to pinpoint. So, there, I'll tell you yeah, mine because I'll, 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 I'll let you, I'll let you get is. a little bit of thought into it. <laughs> So for me in the West, um, I got both LA teams going. I think that the Clippers have a better chance now to beat the Lakers than they did originally, just because if the Clippers played the Lakers in a normal season, Eastern Con- Western Conference Finals, I think the Lakers have home court advantage every single game. Um. I think that's like essentially seven away games for the Clippers. I think that's just how it is, you know, being in the same town as a LeBron and Anthony Davis led Lakers team. But now this is like truly zero home court. I think that that really disproportionately helps the Clippers. Um, I also think the main weakness for the Lakers is teams going small against them. Um, That like just flusters them for long stretches and like against pretty good opponents. So that's something that should be an easy fix. Um, the Lakers, you know, they have mobility with their size. Anthony Davis can play the five. LeBron can play the four, and they can surround shooters around that. But, you know, if you run out of lineup with Montrezl Harrell at the five, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard at the three and the four, you know, that's a small lineup that could potentially give them issues. I still think it goes to seven. I think the Lakers come out on top just because, you know, LeBron's been on a mission this whole season. But I think that'll be an incredible playoff series. I'll tune in for every single game. And then in the East, I think it's going to be Milwaukee and um, uh, Toronto Raptors. So, you know, Spicy P, Pascal Siakam has made a huge leap this year. Um, you know, one of the NBA stars, Nick Nurse, is just an absolute genius offensively. And, like, every single player buys into it. Um, so I think that that team mentality is going to be great. But I think you put Giannis on Pascal, um, who's stepping up, right? Is it Kyle Lowry? Is it Van Vliet? Um, 
you know, there's again, no home court home court is huge for the Raptors up in Toronto. Um, so I think Giannis and his band of shooters uh, come back um, and they'll win that probably in five or six. But I do think that Toronto has the ability to push that to seven games and potentially get a win off. It's, it's all up to Spicy P making that jump from, you know, really good player, top 15 player to like top 10, top seven superstar. Yeah. Um, and then Bucks, Lakers, Finals. That's just so tough. But, you know, stars win you championships. And I think, you know, two superstars on the Lakers is, counters one superstar on uh, the Bucks. I think Giannis, you know, he's about to win his MVP again. Um, that'll be great for him. I think the season coming back is huge for Milwaukee because if he can take him to the finals, Giannis knows he can get to the finals with this team. He'll be more likely to re-sign this summer. You know, he's a free agent rather than have to speculate, could I have made it with this team and decide whether he has to leave the small market Milwaukee Bucks. So I think that this, you know, coming back is huge for them. The season coming back is really big for them, but I do think they probably lose in six to the LA Lakers. So that's how I see this season ending in my eyes. Um, but what about you? Yeah. Um, like you said, out of the East, I like Milwaukee and Toronto. Um, you know, I, I've liked the Heat a lot this year. I think their five-man lineup of Kendrick Nunn, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler, uh, Myers Leonard, and Bam Adebayo has been one of the best shooting lineups in the NBA. I think Spolster yeah. is a hell of a coach. You know, he's obviously won championships before, so you can't discount them. I don't think they have the offensive star power to go up with the top two teams and the Celtics. You know, we've talked about this last episode. Jason Tatum is a bona fide superstar. I think he might be the Carmelo of this generation. Um, you know, he's a, he, his, like you said, his stats post all-star break had been phenomenal. I think losing Al Horford is going to hurt them a lot. You know, they've been a team that every playoffs you think they have the, they might have the potential to get to the finals, but then, you know, something just seems to be missing. Jalen Brown, you know, good player. Is he great? Can he be great in the playoffs? It hasn't been seen yet. Marcus Smart doesn't give you a ton on the offensive end. So I think there's a lot of burden on Tatum. And obviously, you know, Gordon Hayward to carry the team. So I lean more towards Milwaukee and Toronto uh, with Milwaukee. Giannis is the best player in basketball. You know, I think it's pretty simple cut and dry. He's going to win his back-to-back MVP here probably. Their point differential is plus 11 on the year. The next That's 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 insane. insane. That's ridiculous. The next closest in the East is plus six and a half. So, I mean, they're literally beating teams by an average of, you know, a double margin than any other team. It's ridiculous. They've been a... You know, they've been a two, two-headed two uh, juggernaut between him and Middleton with a lot of good role players. I see no issues there. And then Toronto, I mean, Nick Nurse has just done a commendable job getting this team without Kawhi to where they've been. 46-18. and 18. Like, you know, Siakam, most improved player last year, right? Yeah. And I mean, I think... Spicy P. Spicy P. The man's on a max contract and he's playing like it. He's averaging, you know, a 23 or 24 a game. They play eight or nine guys a game, have a great rotation. Um, you know, they really did benefit a, a lot last year outside of Kawhi from, I think, the home court advantage they had. Um, what do they call their – not the – what do they call their fans? They're like the – they had some weird name for, like, the whole environment. In, I'm trying to think. And Toronto? Yeah, they had, like, the environment. Oh, the part. Did they call it the part? No, I don't think. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. But, um, you know what I'm talking. I about. think it is. I think it is. I think it is the park. park. I'm getting that confused because Maryland, Maryland tried to rebrand uh, Jurassic, Jurassic park. park. That's where. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Okay. I mean, the fans are just absolutely wild. So I'll be curious to see how they do without that home court advantage. 
But, you know, Milwaukee playing Toronto in the East. I like Milwaukee in five, probably. I think Siakam can get you a game. I think he can maybe get you two. But at the end of the day, I don't think anyone's stopping Giannis right now. I think the Bucks walk. I think the Bucks sure. walk fairly easily into the finals. Um, looking at the West, jeez, that's tough. I'm gonna go a little more out of the box here. I'm going to say the LA Clippers will be playing the Denver Nuggets. I think, you know, one of my issues with the Lakers all year has been their lack of depth. You know, I think LeBron and AD are probably the best one too in the NBA. But who's their third best player? Kyle Kuzma, who's been mo- more focused on, you know, his pregame attire than playing Rondo. this year. Rondo, Danny Green. I think there are a lot of questions. Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley. I mean, it's worse. It's, it's really just they don't have a great rotation. They don't have depth. And I think in a weird season like this where, you know, people haven't been playing basketball, a team that has more playable, young, athletic depth will prosper better in the playoffs. And looking at the Nuggets, you know, I think – I don't want to say they fly under the radar, but for a team that's won 43 games, it's almost as if this year has been you know, not a disappointment, but I think almost anyone would lump them behind the two LA teams. But yeah. I think running a you know running a rotation of Jokic and Jamal Murray, Will Barton, Paul Millsap, Jeremy Grant, Gary Harris, I mean, these are four or five like very, very good players. And I think Denver's issue the past two years, the outside of Jokic, their role players in the playoffs haven't stepped up a ton. But I do think with this format, a younger team like them that, you know, can score in volume, play defense, play 10 guys, I think they will be a benefit. I think they could very conceivably knock off the Lakers. So, you know, a little out of the box, but I'll go Denver Clippers there. Um, I like the Clippers in probably six. You know, we keep beating the drum of star power wins, you games and playoffs, which I think is, you know, it's just how it goes. You know, you get to the fourth quarter, it turns into ISO basketball. I think yeah. if, if you're going to call LeBron and AD the best combo in basketball, I think Kawhi and Paul George are, you know, a very strong 1B. I think, you know, considering that they can throw Pat Bev, who might be the best point guard defender, Alan Jamal Murray, unless Jokic comes out and is putting up, you know, 35, 10, and 8. I don't know. Very feasible. Feasible. Yeah, very feasible. feasible. Not, not a knock on him. <laughs> He's going to do his part. I just think, you know, the Clippers have the same amount of depth, but possibly at a higher level than Denver. So I'll, I'll yeah, take the Clippers yeah. in six there. And then Bucks, Clip Bucks, Bucks. Clippers. My goodness. That's tough. Um, I like the Bucks this year. I mean, I really think their offense – has turned the page from last year. Giannis has yeah. turned into a little more of a three-point threat. Chris Middleton, you know, quietly has gotten better every year. And considering, you know, he finally hit all-star level two years ago, and his trajectory really has continued to go upward. And, you know, I think people will say, oh, Kawhi and Paul George can switch off, switch off Giannis. I think Middleton's an issue. I really do. And I think he's a little smaller than both Leonard and George. He's quick. He's deceptively quick. He's a very good knockdown shooter. I think that the Bucks have the depth to go up with the Clippers. I think it'll come down to, you know, last year a lot of Toronto won because, you know, Marc Gasol was coming out of nowhere, splashing threes, right? I mean, I think that was a very yeah. real reason. Yeah, yeah, I think if Brooke Lopez can continue to do what he's done and turn to a three-point threat, I think that's big. But I think, you know, losing Brogdon, not having him this year, has hurt the Bucks' defense a little bit, I would say. But Eric Bledsoe, you know, he's a bulldog, great defender, very underrated player. I'll take the Bucks in seven. 
I think that can go either way. You know, I don't see – I don't know. I think Kawhi and Paul George are formidable. But at the same time, you know, Paul George has never really been phenomenal in the playoffs. Per in se. the playoffs, really yeah. Has. You know, you, yeah. you kind of let – Ross was more the alpha dog in the playoffs with the Thunder. With the Pacers, he never had, you know, a ton of success out of a first round or two. I think Giannis is ready for the moment. I think he wants to stay in Milwaukee, and I think it's going to be validated when they win the championship this year. All right. So you have Milwaukee in seven over the Clippers. I have L.A. in like six over Milwaukee, um, L.A. Lakers. So we'll see what happens. Different opinions on the board there. But again, just so excited for the NBA season to start. And to roll into our top five based off of that, we wanted to do top five NBA players we're most excited to watch once the season comes back. Uh, so I'll kick off with my five. Um, first is, you know, someone you were just talking pretty heavily about, um, Denver Nuggets, uh, Jokic. Uh, Nikola Jokic, I really do think he's the best, you know, true center um, in basketball. He's essentially a point center, which, like, we, we've really never seen before. The guy can average 10 assists a game. Um, he's an absolute stud. And from what I've heard is he's down 25 to 30 pounds. So he's in really, really good shape. Um, so I'm excited to see what he does for Denver. Uh, I really do think they have potential to, you know, ruin LA's dream and, you know, take Denver to the finals. He has that in him, but he has to become a one-man wrecking crew, uh, make sure that he gets the ball to Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Jeremiah Grant in good spots. And um, that Nuggets team, you know, you're completely right, can actually really make it far. Uh, so I'm excited to see him. I'm excited to see James Harden. I hate James Harden, my least favorite player in basketball by far. But, uh, you know, we've all seen the pictures of him. He's absolutely jacked. He's been working out um, all throughout uh, this downtime. And my main issue with him as a player is that he fizzles out in the playoffs, you know, consistently fails to perform, uh, especially in game sixes and game sevens uh, when the team needs him. So I'm um, excited to see, you know, maybe this layoff is good for him and he can take the Rockets far. It's really crazy that fall from grace. You know, we don't talk about the Rockets at all when we're talking about teams that we think can make the finals anymore. But if he is actually super fit and he doesn't burn out, um, you know, we're talking about a guy that averages 30-ish points a game um, that's in better shape than before. Uh he can become just an absolute wrecking ball and pull it off. Um, then John Morant, rookie, talked that he shouldn't win rookie of the year over Zion. I think that explains itself. He's so competitive, right? No star recruit, essentially. Went to a super small school at Murray State. Became the number two overall pick. Always had a chip on his shoulder. I think that chip just gets bigger. And I think that, you know, he's going to duel it out with Damian Lillard, show his worth show that he earned rookie of the year. And I think he's one of like the future stud point guards in our league. Um, then I got, you know, Bradley Beal. Love that guy. Incredible shooting guard. Robbed of an all-star nomination. Um, so he puts the Wizards on his back, gets them to within four games and steals the playoff spot from the Orlando Magic. I think that's completely feasible. I think if anybody can do it, it is him. Um, you know, we went to a Wizards game before they shut everything down. Um, fun to watch and they have you know role players like Bertans uh, Green that can really help out so we'll see what Bradley Beal is able to do um, and last but not least I'm going to go back to the Denver Nuggets uh, Michael Porter Jr. Um, former 
number one recruit, MPJ. star, MPJ, big player, has been in the limelight for a while, ended up getting hurt when he went to Mizzou for college, uh, didn't play at all, uh, and then was drafted at the end of the lottery, hasn't really played that much, um, is in his second year now, played a little bit at the beginning of the season, another long layoff for him. If he's healthy and performing like to his potential, I'm telling you right now, the Denver Nuggets will surprise everybody and, you know, beat both of our projections and make it to the finals. He's that good. People saw him as like a Kawhi, Kevin Durant, yeah. LeBron, like type level player. He was that good. He just needs to find it again. And if he's fully healthy starting, um, you know, I think he can be one of the I got next guys and join like the Mount Rushmore of the future, you know, because right now it's Zion, it's Ja, it's, you know, Luka Doncic. Um, but he has the talent, and I think a lot of people forget about him. So I'm really excited to see him play um, and see if he can start, you know, acting true on that potential. So I know that's two Denver Nuggets there. So I'll throw in a little, like, Chip, Luka Doncic, uh -huh. one of my favorite players in the league right now. I'm really excited to watch him. But um, what about you? Who, do you? who are you excited to watch? Yeah, so first for me is LeBron. You know, I think with this long layoff, one of the big things we've done is watched – the Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary, talking about, you know, he was 6-0 in the finals, 6-0 in the finals, six, you know, finals MVPs has been, you know, beaten down, beaten down. I'm not, you know, none of us are in LeBron's head. We don't even know if the man, I mean, I think the man watched the documentary. We don't know how he feels, but I think LeBron knows the clock's ticking on him. I think he's 34, 35 now. You know, he's getting up there. Getting older. He's 3-6 yep. and six in the finals. You know, I think that I'm not, I'm not going to get into an argument about his legacy right now, but I think a fourth, fifth championship will, you know, continue to help him in the future. I think LeBron wants to win a title. I think they are loaded, and with AD, I think they very well could win a title. So I'm excited to see how LeBron comes out. And then just outside of that, you know, he's LeBron James. He's been the best, you know, best player probably in basketball for 10, 12, 14 years now. So I'm excited just to be able to watch him again. Uh, Damian Lillard for the Trailblazers, obviously, I kind of talked about earlier. The Blazers really scuffled to start the year. You know, they were in the bottom of the West for a month or two, turned it around a little bit, and then obviously the pandemic hit. I think he's going to come out guns blazing. I think he's fired up. There's not a player that I think is more fun to watch in the playoffs than Damian Lillard. You know, he has had – Oh, Dame time. He has had, it's always Dame time. <laughs> he has had two of the most iconic playoff buzzer beaters of our lifetime. He's ended two series. He's literally ended two series. It's just, you know, absolutely ridiculous. Come playoff time, he might put up 40 points a game. You know, with McCollum at his side, I think they could really go on a run from the bottom of the West. So I'm excited to watch him too. I'm going to steal one of your guys, Bradley Beal. Like you said, we watched him earlier in the year. Without John Wall the past year to whatever, you know, the saga has now been for John Wall. Beal's really come into his own. You know, his, his snub from the All-Star game might be one of the worst snubs of all time. He's averaging, what's he scoring this year? I think 30, right? 29, 30. 30-something, yeah. yeah. He's been on, Insane. He's been on a different level scoring. You know, the Wizards. He's the heart and soul of that Washington team. And, you know, the Wizards are the only East team that's not currently in this being brought to Orlando. I think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder again, you know, keep playing. I think he's going to come out, put on a show. I don't know if the Wizards, you know, the Wizards have some ground to make up with eight games. We'll see if they can do it or not. But I think Beal is going to be very good. Um Zion is another player I'm looking forward to watching. Like I said, you know, I think he has such a wide range of outcomes that honestly, I mean, who knows if the man plays. If he comes back and they start on one over two, I really would not be shocked if they, you know, shut him down or gave him really limited minutes. 
But, you know, his, his athleticism is breathtaking. He had a few games where he was hitting threes. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'm interested to see how Alvin Gentry is going to deploy him. But, you know, anytime we can watch Zion on TV, that works for me. Then, he hit all those threes against the Spurs, I know, dude. Bro. It was like four in a row. That was ridiculous. That was wild. And then they and then they held him out because of his minute restriction, and we still won. Yeah. So, but, yeah, no, yeah, that, that's going to be exciting. I'll go my fifth. I'm going to kind of go with a two and one here. Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert from the Jazz. You know, obviously, if you if you uh, if you think back, I think the first sports that kind of got shut down was the NBA because of Rudy Gobert testing positive for coronavirus. After I refuse to believe he was the first player in the NBA with Corona. No, but like I mean, first positive test, and yeah, keep going. Yeah, so I mean, after acting like a complete head ass and you know laughing about it and rubbing mics, he got coronavirus. The whole organization was tested. Of course, the only other person who came back positive was probably the only person in the organization more important than him, Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> so the two of them, they kind of had a little bit of war words. You know, Mitchell was not happy with Gobert, you know, dicking around. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There were talks that they were going to blow up the team. Yeah, I mean, it was serious. I, I think again. he was pissed off. Yeah. And, you know, I think they kind of – I think that simmered a little, you know, a little bit in the past weeks. And I think that they say now, you know, the issue's kind of behind them. They're ready to go, but – you know, they're, they're also one of the more underrated one-two combos in the NBA. I think Utah as a team is kind of predicated on the success of the two of them. So will their relationship be the same? I don't know. But I think it's going to be interesting to watch, and I'm excited to watch it. And, you know, the Jazz have always been a team that I've enjoyed watching. So we'll see how that goes for them. Absolutely. So that's it for us today. You heard everything here first. But, um, again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, you can find us anchor.fm backslash the NARP opinion um, and on Spotify uh, and a couple other sources, but it's all there on Anchor. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will see you guys again probably Tuesday yeah. is what I'm thinking. A little Tuesday, Thursday, Tuesday, Friday action. But um, again, thank you guys so much and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Take care. I'm not going to do that.